today on Sharing the Victory. We wouldn't have taken this job just to go be a head football coach in the National Football League. Cam Cameron tells how he became coach of the Miami Dolphins. Also, well, I tried to base whatever I did in coaching on biblical principles. Tom Osborne talks about how he coached the Nebraska Cornhuskers God's way. And an encouraging message from former football star Herschel Walker. This is Sharing the Victory from the Fellowship of Christian Athletes with your host, Ron Brown. My guest today is Cam Cameron, the new head football coach for the Miami Dolphins. And Cam Cameron, of course, has a storied background throughout college football as well as the NFL. Most recently, the last five years, was the offensive coordinator for a thriving uh, and improving San Diego Charger offense. And so, Cam, it's great to have you on our show. Praise God that you were able to join us today. Well, thank you, Ron. I'm thrilled to be on the show. Cam, uh, you know, as as you and I go back, I remember first visiting you when you were the wide receiver coach with the University of Michigan. Bo Schembechler was the head football coach. You guys had a great run, as always, there at Michigan. But one of the things that intrigued me the most is you told me when I went to visit with you, this was probably back in the late 80s, that right. you played basketball and football at the University of Indiana, which is, of course, prime time in the upper echelon of basketball in this country. By and large, when you really look back at it, you're used to winning. You're used to being around winning programs. What did you learn about winning at that level that you've uh, won at? What did you learn about life uh, in terms of its fulfillment and what it really does for you at the end of the day? Well, I think you've got to keep winning in perspective. I think, you know, I remember when I started going to, to FCA camps back when I was a teenager, and I started understanding just the team concept, but also just understanding that to honor God by just becoming the best person, the best player you can possibly be. And I think that's what we're called to do. I mean, we all have all have unique talents. I know you had talent not only as a player, but as a coach. We're all different. We're all unique. We've been all created differently. And you and I both know this. The only God can give you that, that strength mm-hmm. through all the different you know, adversities that you have to continue to, to stay focused to become as good as you can be because the world's going to try to make it awfully difficult on us. You know, Cam, uh, when you look at winning from this perspective, one of the things that I used to tell my players is that I have the privilege of, of letting you young fellas know that eventually football will fail you. No. And and the no. winning will stop and the applause and those 76,000 people won't be asking for autographs anymore. And really, obviously, when we read the Bible, we understand that God has a very different definition of success. <laughs> so so I wanted to ask you, of course, you've been a head coach at Indiana. You, you spent a lot of years as an assistant coach. You were having great success out there. In San Diego, it seemed like you you had all those Christian players. You and I talked right. earlier about uh, the eleven starters that you had. Nine of them were Christians on right. offense. Why leave that and take the head coaching position at Miami? Now the world tells you to do that, right. but what did you sense in terms of a God call in your life? Why would you leave that ministry that you had there in San Diego and then invest with the Miami Dolphins? Well, it's exactly what. Uh what you just said, and I mentioned this to Wayne Huizenga when he wanted to talk to me about this job. I said, you know, to me it has to be a calling. And the process really went, Ron, a little like this. When Miami contacted us, immediately talked to Marty Schottenheimer, and Marty said to me, Cam, it's your time. And at that time, you know, he was 
uh, he was still there and as the head coach. He said, this is your time to go and be a head football coach. Mm-hmm. And that, that meant a lot to me. But Missy and I, uh, we prayed about it. And then uh, after we prayed about it, we really didn't know for sure, even if we were offered the job, whether we would take it. And then we sat down with our, our family. I've got four or four kids with Tommy, who's 13, Danny, who's 11, Christopher, who's 9, and Elizabeth, who's 6. And we, and we sat down as a family, and I, I said, we need to pray about this as a family, and we need to think about if we're given the opportunity, and do we feel that we're called to go to Miami? And uh, if we do, we all need to be in this together. And uh, so we did that as a family. And and uh, my children, uh, starting with Tommy, he just said, "Dad," he said, "as long as as long as we're together as a family," he goes, "we'll go anywhere in the country with you." Hmm. And boy, was that you know that brought tears to my eyes. And I so it really came down to uh, just us praying about it. Um, it's hard to describe, but I think we know as a family if it didn't feel right. Uh, then, then we wouldn't have taken this job just to go be a head football coach in the National Football League. Uh, we had a great feeling about Wayne Huizenga and his family. You know, he's a Christian man, mm-hmm. and uh, mm-hmm. that played a lot into it. And then Missy, you know, uh, my wife Missy, who's a, who's a strong, uh, strong Christian, just said she felt too. She just felt that God was calling us, uh, though we loved. San Diego, we just we sensed it and we felt that this was the right opportunity and and here we are. Hmm. Well, that uh, that leadership of God taking us where we're supposed to go is so exciting when you know that you're being led by the Lord. Well, that's awesome, Cam. I, I I thank you for sharing all that you did and I really praise God for you and what He's doing for you. And I can sense the peace that runs through your bloodstream right now in Christ. So that's well, awesome, man. Well, I appreciate it. Our champion of faith today was Cam Cameron, the new head football coach with the Miami Dolphins. Coming up next. And I don't say you want to be like me, be like Mike, no, be like Christ. But let me tell you, he can take it a lot farther than Mike can. And you ought to see his slam dunk. We'll hear from one of the greatest all-around athletes. This is Sharing the Victory from the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. There is a common place for student-athletes and coaches to go to strengthen their faith in Christ. At my FCA huddle. There's a place to be encouraged to face the trials and temptations of life. At my FCA huddle. There is a place to receive confidence to share the light of Christ. At my FCA huddle. FCA huddles meet on junior high, high school, and college campuses all across America. To find one near you or to learn how to start one up, call toll-free 866-STV-5031 or go to fca.org. How many of us have ever been one yard short of a victory of some kind? Les Steckel, the president of FCA, has written One Yard Short, Turning Your Defeats into Victories, about important life lessons learned from his 32 years as a coach. You'll want to be sure to get a copy of One Yard Short for all the sports fans in your life. It's available for only $15.99 at 1-800-386-0941 or go online at fcagear.com. Welcome back to Sharing the Victory with columnist, broadcaster, and former college football coach, Ron Brown. It's time for FCA Across America. Guess what? We found Herschel Walker. That's right, the 1982 Heisman Trophy winner for the Georgia Bulldogs, Herschel Walker. Former USFL and NFL star, 
Herschel spoke at the Coastal Area Fellowship of Christian Athletes Banquet, and he talked about his days at the University of Georgia. You're going to love re-engaging with one of your favorites and mine, Herschel Walker. My mother used to always say, no matter whatever happened to you, she said, God is at work. He's, he's, he's working it out for you. I broke my hand before my junior year, I think right during training camp for my junior year, and I called home because I was a mama's boy. Now, I remember calling home, and I told my mother I broke my hand. She said, oh, don't worry about it. God is making a way for you. I'm like, what does that got to do with my hand? <laughs> True story. I was leaving the hospital room. There was a nun coming in as I was going out, and she said, you look like, uh, and I said, Herschel Walker. She said, yeah. She said, what happened? I said, I broke my hand. She said, God is making a way for you. And I started thinking, she got to know my mother. <laughs> well, well, what's funny, when I went back to uh, the camp after having a broken hand, people don't know this, and I don't even know, well, I think some people may know. You know, I wanted to be into the military. I had thought I was going to join the military, and I had decided within myself that I was going to leave school my junior year and join the military. Well, sitting up under that camp, and if you've ever been in Athens, you know, during the summer, it's pretty hot. I remember sitting up under that little tent they used to have, or that shed they used to have out there at practice, and they had a fan on me. They were bringing me water. I was cool, and I was feeling good, and, but I was watching my teammates. They were out there practicing in the sun, and, you know, it was working. Coaches are yelling at them. Coaches are really just making it very difficult, and I realized how selfish I've been, that I've been thinking about me, not thinking about them, because every article was written about Herschel Walker. It wasn't written about everyone else. And yet I'm thinking about leaving. That's the time there. I said, no, these are my brothers. So God was making a way for me. Because if I hadn't broken my hand, I may be be in Iraq. I don't know where I would have been. If your heart is pure, God will make a way for you. But you got to turn your life over to him. And you got to always remember, you're not by yourself. So when I go into life every morning, I'm okay. I'm okay because I say I can see him. I can see Jesus. I can see the Lord. You know, I want to thank you. Because whenever you come together to talk about the Lord Jesus Christ, that's special. It's special because he lives and he lives within me. And I don't say you want to be like me, be like Mike. No, be like Christ. Because let me tell you, he can take it a lot farther than Mike can. And you ought to see his slam dunk. We're all our brother's keeper. So instead of us turning our bikes, let's open our arms. It is time for us to stand up. You know, I said they're trying to take Christ out of everything. But what's strange about it on an American currency is saying, God, we trust. So why are we not trusting in him? So it's time for us to start trusting in him. Because you can believe there's only one. You can only believe in one. People talk about all that other stuff. There's only one. You decide who it's going to be. Because I'm going to be there. As they said, when the saints come marching in, I'm going to be there. God bless you. Thank you. I love you. Thank you. That was former Heisman Trophy winner Herschel Walker at the Coastal Area FCA Banquet. We're so glad to catch up with Herschel. There's still much more ahead, so don't touch that dial. You can listen to this program or previous programs on the web by going to sharingthevictory.com and clicking on radio. If you have any questions or comments about the show, you can call toll-free 1-866-STV-5031. That's 866-STV-5031. Still ahead... 
talent would take you so far, but uh, synergy and chemistry and everybody working together was really where excellence could be derived. Tom Osborne talks to Ron Brown about his championship years as coach of the Nebraska Cornhuskers. This is FCA's Sharing the Victory. Hi, this is Ron Brown. If you enjoy listening to Sharing the Victory Radio, then you're going to love reading Sharing the Victory magazine. You'll find 40 pages of in-depth articles on Christian athletes and coaches. Hi, this is Jake Peavy of the San Diego Padres. Check out my cover story on Sharing the Victory magazine. To order Sharing the Victory magazine, call 1-866-STV-5031. That's 866-STV-5031, or go to sharingthevictory.com. In his brand-new autobiography, Quiet Strength, Super Bowl Forty One champion coach Tony Dungy explains his principles, practices, and priorities for a winning life. You'll want our special FCA edition of this hardcover book, Quiet Strength, now available for only $19.99, far below all bookstore prices. Order Quiet Strength by calling 1-800-386-0941 or online at fcagear.com. Now back to Sharing the Victory with Ron Brown. Where are they now? Our guest today is former head football coach at the University of Nebraska. Of course, many of you have heard about him, and uh, not only in the world of college football, but also the Fellowship of Christian Athletes, Tom Osborne. Coach Osborne, uh, you know, I've been watching ESPN from time to time. I see you've been celebrated as one of the great coaches of all time in the last century. The 1995 National Championship football team that you were the head coach of was selected by ESPN as the greatest team in history. And yet, with all of that success, I have personally gotten to know you through the 11 years that I coached for you. I know that all of those accomplishments, as great as they are, did not validate you as a man. I, I, what I saw was just your personal love and devotion to the Lord Jesus Christ and how that played out with your assistant coaches, your players. And I just want to thank you for being on the show. You've, uh, you've privileged us with being on. Well, thanks, Ron. It's a pleasure to be here today. And I want to let you know that I appreciated your contribution to Nebraska football. You were a great coach, and we had, uh, we had a great staff, and, and of course— we had great players, and uh, so that all worked together to make us a strong program. So anyway, I, um, I guess I'm somewhat of a um, of a has-been now as far as <laughs> athletics are concerned, but it's a pleasure to be on the program. Coach, you uh, made a comment to me one time while we were coaching as you uh, shared that, you know, you've sought to biblically coach the Nebraska football team. That's a land-grant institution. It's uh, not considered a Christian school. Mm-hmm. Could you tell us what you meant by that? Well, I, I tried to base whatever I did in coaching on biblical principles. That first of all, that every person had uh, had worth. Uh, every mm-hmm. person was of equal worth. Mm-hmm. And so uh, we hope that translated uh, down to the fourth team walk-on player that uh, he was valued as the first team player. Certainly mm-hmm. on Saturday afternoon, he wasn't going to contribute as much. But still, I, I think the players uh, hopefully felt appreciated as, as individuals. Second, uh, no one's beyond redemption. Um, we, we all fall short. And so uh, no matter what uh, background a player was from, no matter what he'd done, 
uh, we wanted him to feel that uh, there was certainly a second chance, that there was um, an opportunity to live the life that, that he, he could live, should live. And we saw a lot of players over time who were headed in the wrong direction, mm. who uh, did a U-turn, and it was usually because of a spiritual reorientation that made a huge difference to them. We certainly, uh, as a staff, as you know, tried to have some type of a devotional period every morning about 7 a.m., but I thought that was always a good way to start the day. I thought that as we, uh, as a staff, tried to serve one master, uh, a lot of the infighting and the turf battles that are so common in athletics began to fall away. And uh, and I thought it was important that we have coaches who were good role models, who uh, modeled a faith. I, I think the last 10 or 12 years that I coached, I didn't hire an assistant that I didn't think was spiritually committed. Mm-hmm. And... Um, I think over time we developed a fairly strong spiritual nucleus uh, among coaches and players that was uh, was really kind of transforming. It was the glue that held us together. And I guess as I as I coached over the years, I began to realize that talent would take you so far, mm-hmm. but uh, synergy and chemistry and everybody working together uh, was really where excellence um, could be derived. And I think uh, for a period of time we we uh, maximized that that potential and that ability. Mm-hmm. Well, Coach, you know, we can talk about biblical principles, but um, if a person were to come in and coach the football team and say, well, I want to I want to operate on biblical standards or use these principles, but not really have it stuck in his veins himself, it would be kind of plastic. It would be kind of artificial. Mm-hmm. eventually run out. You personally owned what you just said, and you lived mm-hmm. it out when no one was looking. It was a part of your fabric. How did that happen? When did that happen? I think everyone can trace back a uh, to a period of time in their life when their uh, their faith became their own faith, and it wasn't necessarily a handed down faith from your parents or mm-hmm. or something that was absorbed from somebody else. And uh, for me, that would trace back to about 1957. I went to a Fellowship Christian Athletes Conference out in. Estes Park, Colorado. It was between my sophomore and junior year of college and mm-hmm. went out there by myself. And um, during that week, I heard Christianity uh, articulated in a way that I, I could relate to that impacted me. So that was the start of the journey. But as you know, uh, a start isn't a finish. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're, we're all works in progress. I still am, certainly. But hopefully I've grown over the years. Mm-hmm. I think uh, anyone in athletics understands the importance of discipline. You don't get to be a great player if you don't practice, if you don't show up in the weight room, if you don't do those things. And so uh, a continual spiritual discipline has been very important to me. You know, a time of prayer in the morning, prayer, meditation, 30, 40, 45 minutes, um, time in the Scripture every day, uh, some small group worship in, in Washington and in Congress. We did that a couple times a week. Mm-hmm. Try to maintain that practice here in uh, Nebraska. And then, of course, worship on Sundays prayer before meals, um, all those things, I, I think, are part of the process of uh, attempting to grow. And uh, so I've, I've maintained a, a fairly regular spiritual discipline, which I think has been important over the years. Well, you know, Coach, if you really look at your career, the last five years of your career, which is this is after you've been coaching mm-hmm. in the, well into the 20s, from 1993 through 1997, those five years, your Nebraska football teams went to four national championship games, won three of them, and you closed off with a bang, beating Peyton Manning and led Tennessee football team in the Orange Bowl handily. We ended up sharing with Michigan the national crown that year, and, and then you decided to retire. Why then? 
What、mm-hmm. was God doing in your heart to let that go at that point of your career? Just kind、mm-hmm. of what a lot of people would say. Well, you've really hit stride. Well, it, w- it wasn't a particularly easy thing to do. I, I had made a promise five years previous that I would coach five more years, and so the、uh, time came and went. And at that point, you either keep a promise or you don't.、Mm-hmm. And I felt it was important to keep my word. And、uh, of course,、uh, it was a good thing and a bad thing. And that very seldom do people leave coaching、um, under favorable circumstances. Usually, the string is run out.、Uh, people are calling for your scalp, and you kind of get run out of town on a rail. So I was able, because of that promise,、uh, to leave under fairly good circumstances and and to actually be able to name a successor and have continuity on the staff. Which again is very unusual. So those were the good things. The bad thing was that obviously、um, I still felt competent. I, I had energy. I, I would have, in some ways, liked to have coached another four or five years, and probably could have done so. But、um, it just boiled down to、uh, either keeping your word or not keeping your word.、Mm-hmm. On the other hand,、uh, I did then decide to run for Congress.、Mm-hmm. Spent six years in in Washington in Congress. And that was、uh, kind of a mixed blessing,、uh, you know. Some things about politics very discouraging, but was able to make a considerable difference in some areas, and so I, I feel good about that. I felt that my time there was well spent. I learned a lot. So anyway,、uh, you know, time goes on, and those were the reasons those decisions were made. Even though I worked for Tom Osborne for 11 years, I never get tired of hearing from that man. There's a lot of meat what he has to say. Make a point to listen each week for more inspiring testimonies. The president of the Fellowship of Christian Athletes, Les Steckel, is coming up next when sharing the victory continues. What if athletic fields across the country were filled with students challenging each other to read the Word of God and come to faith in Jesus Christ? Oh, we totally rocked fields of faith. It's such an amazing experience to see so many teens there. So much more than I expected. Fields of Faith is coming October 10th to a field near you. Fields of Faith is one of the most amazing things I've ever been to. I think every school should really try it. It was awesome. Fields of Faith, October 10th. To find a field near you or to learn how to organize one, go to fieldsoffaith.com. Next weekend on Sharing the Victory, I'll visit with University of Georgia head football coach Mark Ritt. My number one goal is to try to walk、uh, in obedience to God and、uh, try to live a life that will please Him. And the great Seattle Seahawks running back Sean Alexander speaks up. It don't matter even if you want to show up. If you ain't got the right clothes on, you're getting kicked out. Make sure you listen next week to Sharing the Victory. It's time for Coach's Corner, and that means FCA's president Les Steckel. This time, talking about the final C, the greatest C, Christ. When I attended my first ever FCA conference back in 1972, I had the opportunity to spend time with the Hall of Fame quarterback Roger Staubach of the Dallas Cowboys. One day, after playing basketball together, Roger told me something I'll never forget about the Bible. He held up his Bible and said, "Les." This book is diametrically opposed to what the world says we are to do. At the time, I had no idea what he meant, but soon I came to understand his profound yet simple statement: "The world will tell you what a person does on his or her own is what makes them great. The Bible, however, says the exact opposite is true: 
It says, when we are weak, then we are strong. We as humans are the strongest when we are completely surrendered to someone far greater than ourselves, and that is Jesus Christ. For a month now, we've been addressing the five elements of what it takes to have a championship team, family, or business. Today, we'll add the final and most important C word to the others of communication, cooperation, contribution, and commitment. What is the most important word we could add to this list? Yes, it's Christ. Ninety percent of all Christians think that we are living a true Christian life by reading the Bible and applying its principles. That's just not true. At least, it's not the whole truth. Being a true follower of Christ doesn't mean that we simply read and obey. It means we give our lives over to Him, everything we have, everything we are, in order to become like Him every way. And the Bible tells us very clearly how to do that. We must die to ourselves and become a new creation in the Lord. Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. We must put our own selfish nature to death and live solely for Christ. And with that death, contrary to what the world tells us, comes an amazing life. As it says in Romans 8:37, once we find new life in Christ, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. But such victory won't come unless we choose to lay down our lives for him. It's like you are the quarterback of your life. You can either endure the pressures of calling your own plays, or you can surrender control to the master coach, Jesus Christ. Trust me, he knows exactly what needs to be done. And I am convinced that the most satisfying victory a person can ever experience is total surrender to Jesus Christ as Lord. Know this. We are called to be faithful, not famous. Do it, and God will bless you. Once again, it was great being with you. We hope you understand that Jesus died on a cross for you, rose from the dead, and that he's inviting you for an eternal relationship with him forever. Thanks for listening to Sharing the Victory, and join us again next week. I'm Ron Brown. Sharing the Victory is a ministry of the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. FCA is the largest sports ministry in America. And if you would like to find out how you can help support this vital ministry to coaches and athletes, call us at 1-866-STV-5031. That's toll-free, 866-STV-5031. You can also write, our address is 8701 Leeds Road, Kansas City, Missouri, 64129. And when you do, let us know the call letters of the station you are listening to. Our website is available 24 hours a day at sharingthevictory.com. Click on radio and you can listen to the program at your convenience. Join us next week as you'll hear an inspiring message from Seattle Seahawks star running back, Sean Alexander. And Ron Brown will chat with former Carolina safety Mike Mitter, as well as Georgia head football coach Mark Richt. Sharing the Victory is a production of the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. FCA is the heart and soul in sports.